0: So it's Jesus, the eternal light. And Genesis 1 1 tells us that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then in verse 2, we learn that the earth was in the, the Hebrew language of the Old Testament. I'm going to give you the Hebrew here. It was in a state of tohu va bohu, which means formless and void. It means darkness covering the deep. And this darkness wasn't a physical darkness. It was a spiritual darkness. The earth was in chaos and confusion, in misery, sorrow, destruction, death, ignorance, and wickedness. How could that happen when God created a perfect heaven and earth? Well, on the other hand, Isaiah in Isaiah 45:18 says that God did not create the earth in vain, but formed it to be inhabited. So here we have um, in verse 2, the state of the earth. Now, the earth came to be in this state. How it came is debatable, so we're not going to talk about that today. That's for another time. But what we're going to uh, see today is how, how something was missing. And what was missing in all that darkness was light. And so the first words to come were, let there be light. And that wasn't the light of the sun. It wasn't a physical light. It was a spiritual light. Because only a spiritual light could deal with the darkness, with the spiritual darkness. It had to be a spiritual light. So, the same as last time, um, <clears throat> I want you to picture Father, Son, and Spirit. That's, that's God. We call, we call it sometimes the Godhead. The Godhead is Father, S- uh, Son, and Spirit. And the Father, He has the will he has the ultimate will for everything. And the Son, he conveys the Father's will in speech. He speaks. He's the Word that comes. So, the Father conveys his will to the Son. The Son speaks the will of the Father out, and the Spirit is always attached to the Word to activate the Word. So, there we have the Godhead looking over. It's just... When I saw this in the Word, I thought the compassion that God must have felt as He looked at the state of our sad world. And so then came the Word. The Spirit was hovering, hovering, just waiting, hovering. And the words came, let there be light. And that word for light is a word that I hadn't heard before. I didn't know this. But the word for light is a very simple Hebrew word, consisting of two letters, or in English, or, O-R, or. And that light means goodness and joy. But it's a special goodness and a special joy that we can only find in God. It's His goodness, His joy. So what was happening there, just picture this scene. God was looking on this world, and He just said, I'm committing myself to you right now. You sent out that word. And what do we know about God's word when it gets sent out? It accomplishes what it's sent to do. It never returns to God empty. It does its work. Whatever God wants that word to do, it does it. And God only has to say the word. And it's done in terms of we have to wait it out. But it's a done deal. And so he said, let there be light. And then when he saw that the light was good, he separated the light from the darkness. Now, remember that. Think about the world as it was and all those negative things that I said, tohu, vabohu means. And suddenly God said, no, enough of this. Let there be light. And wherever there is that light, and we've been given that light in this church when we give your life to the lord and commit your life to the lord you're given that light the darkness cannot be part of it the darkness gets separated from that light so wherever we go darkness has to flee when we because we're the carriers of the light now, we don't always feel that we're carrying light. In fact, sometimes we feel the absolute opposite. But God's word is true, and it's got nothing to do with how we feel. It's working all the time. So, <clears throat> we have a got to now? <laughs> yeah, let there be light. And there was light, and God saw that the light was good. <clears throat> We know about the Father, the Son, and, and I think it's so important for us to understand that about the Godhead, because when I became a Christian, I, I really didn't know how it all worked, you know, how, where did Jesus fit in, you know, but God in this, at the beginning, verse 2, committed himself to the earth, he committed himself to the earth in all his fullness. And that's why in the fullness of time, the sun became flesh. The word became flesh. So that word that was sent out actually took on flesh. And so Jesus was the light walking about in flesh among us. And you know how the darkness did have to flee. The darkness challenged him so many times. Remember the sword fight in the desert um, when, you know, the devil tried to tempt Jesus And Jesus answered, with the word. The word is a sword, and it comes out of your mouth. And so, uh, wherever Jesus went, the enemy was trying to challenge him, trying to overcome this, this light, but we're told that the enemy cannot. He cannot comprehend the light. He cannot seize it. He can't take part in it, and he can't destroy it. So bear that in mind, because I think, There are dark times in all our lives. Things come against us. We've got worries. We've got fears. We've got things happen so suddenly at times. But we have the light. And so when we speak words of light and life, because in that light is the life of God. So when we speak out our faith in words, We're imitating the Lord, we're being his followers, and the darkness has to flee. Anyway, I think I've got away from the point here. Um, so, um, (laughs) So there's the will, the word, and the work. Now let's look at the word light, and it's the Hebrew word or. It's such a simple word, or. And it means the joy and the goodness that is the very life of God. So this or was not a physical light because the sun was not created until the fourth day. You see, I originally thought when God said, let there be light, that the whole world just lit up. And then I discovered, oh, wait a minute, no, what is this light? And that's what set me on this study. And then when Haley, remember Haley, when she was coming up giving a testimony and she said, the entry, the entrance of your word brings light. Well, the minute she said that, my spirit just jumped because I knew that it was so true and I knew that I was on that path. And she was just, it was almost like a confirmation that this is what I was to study at the time. And that was long before Pastor David said, and for the first time ever, probably, when he said, would you do it? I said, yes, because <laughs> normally I go, oh, do I have to? <laughs> <laughs> and it was because something was happening inside me. So, <clears throat> then in verse 4, when God saw that the light was good, he divided it from the darkness. Now, at this point, I do I see a picture And I've described that picture of a world in chaos and confusion. Can you recognize that? What's our world like just now? It's in chaos and confusion, waiting to be filled with life, and God ready to commit his life to our planet. So God has committed himself, and he's not going to leave us alone until it's done. Now, in verse 5, God called the light day and the, uh, the darkness night. But that's not physical day and night. It's a metaphor, and it means that um, we have to work while it's day. And sometimes we experience the dark night of the soul. That's not actual day and night. It's, it means while there's light, while there's inspiration, we must work. We must comply with it and use it. <clears throat> We're told in John 9, 4 by Jesus that he must work the works of him who sent him, that is the Father, while it is day, as the night is coming when no one can work. In other words, work while there is still light to work. This is the spiritual light that we need to sustain a spiritual life. You can't just come into a church and sit and think, oh, that was a nice, week. that was nice. Something has to impact you inside. And most of us, we didn't maybe act on it immediately. But over time, it grew and grew and grew until one day there was an altar call and we just couldn't not come up to this altar. Do you know what I'm saying? That... That um, we're not here to just have a nice service. We're here to be part of something that is so radical, so tremendous. Colossians 1:12 tells us that we need to give thanks to the Father who has made us able to partake in the inheritance of his saints in the kingdom of light. And that's what's really happened. We've stepped into a kingdom that's different from this kingdom of the world, the darkness. We've stepped into a kingdom of light, where there is that joy and goodness. But that goodness isn't human goodness, it's God's goodness and there's a difference in that. We once belonged to the kingdom of darkness, even if we didn't know it at the time, but God in his mercy translated us out of that kingdom and into the kingdom of his dear son, the kingdom of light, the kingdom of or. <laughs> that is the born again experience. Now, if we follow Jesus, who is the light of the world, as he himself tells us in John 8 12, then we are following the light. And at this point, I've got a great wee story to tell you because um, I was listening to somebody uh, called Billy Brim. I don't know whether anybody here could relate to, I really love her, in fact, uh, she really reminds me a lot of you, Barbara, <laughs> Billy Brim, anyway, she was doing this program with her daughter, Shelley, and they were, they were just talking back and forth about uh, the light, and Shelley then said, do you know, Mum, it reminds me of when I worked on the Andy Williams show, who remembers Andy Williams? <laughs> the older ones remember Andy Williams. I remember his jumpers and you know how he used to come on with a, wearing a jumper. And it. So she was, but she said um, she couldn't really get anywhere other than selling popcorn to the people that were attending the, the, the show. And so she thought, I'm better than this. God, got more for me than this, selling popcorn because she could sing. So anyway, one day somebody was off because Andy Williams would, would, he would be up front like this and at a certain point he would turn and he would speak to the choir and then he would turn back. So there was a choir member missing and she was given the chance to just jump up and and fill that spot. So the show went on as it normally does. Andy Williams turned, spoke to the choir, then turned back. So the next day, she got a phone call to say Andy Williams wanted her to come for an interview. And she said, how does he even know my name? You know, this big, important man. Anyway, she went for the interview, and Andy Williams said, you'll be wondering why I've sent for you. She said, yeah, but she said, I'm really excited. He said, well, he said, when? He said, I'm now in my 60s, and sometimes I get tired. He said, "And I need, I need a kind of boost of energy." He said, "So when I turn to the choir, it's really to give me a minute or two just to gather a wee bit momentum." He said, "But when I turned round and I saw your face, there was such a light coming from your face." He said, "That that light penetrated me." He said, "And he said I just was filled, full of energy." He said, "So I want you to be there in that spot." every time. Now, she didn't know that she was carrying the light. She knew she was a Christian, but he saw something in her. And we all, if we're honest, we see something in one another. We see it. But maybe the person that we see it in doesn't really feel it at the time. You know, we often say, I'm not really feeling it, but we're seeing it. You see what I'm saying? Even in our dark times, in our down times, when things are coming against us, we're seeing it in the way that you come through those times. The grace of God is just there. So, <clears throat> where am I? See, this is what happens here. Right, Shelley's story. So, Ephesians 5.8 says, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord." Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And we know the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience. we know them all. But they can be summed up in goodness, righteousness, and truth. Verse 11, having no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. When you shine a light... It exposes hidden things. So we don't go about saying, oh, I see darkness in you, you know, and causing a person to feel terrible. But we, we can see it, and we can pray for that person. You know, and once we pray, I know that things happen. <clears throat> so don't worry. We don't have to go about exposing everything. I I, I remember when I first became a Christian I was off work and I thought I can't waste time here I'm going to go out for a walk and I'm going to knock on every door and I'm going to tell them about Jesus so I walked down the road and I can remember it's quite slippy at that time I was all wrapped up because I had the cold (laughs) anyway I knocked on this first door and I heard footsteps coming. And before the, before the door could open, I ran away. <laughs> so, <laughs> <I> just, <laughs> and ever since, you know, when I see people out in the street preaching, and doing that, I just think, oh Lord, you have gifted them, but you've passed over me. <laughs> in that way. So, anyway, uh, <clears throat> Then Luke 11.35 warns us to take heed that our light is not darkness. Now, at this point, I've got another story, and this happened to me personally just last week. I've been noting, now, Largs is one of these places, there's a mixture of people, as there is everywhere, but you see a lot of characters in Largs. Anyway, there is one character that I've been... I've been kind of studying him a wee bit because I see him quite often. And that is this guy who walks about in the cold and the snow at one point in his bare feet. Honestly, in his bare feet. And I've been telling people, and they wouldn't believe me until I was with my friend. And I said, there's that guy. And so uh, it was Janice and Pat at that day, Sue. So, and they, they saw this guy for themselves. So I felt so vindicated then. But anyway, I was in a shop in Largs and I heard this voice boasting about the number of holidays that he had taken. He was just back from Australia and he had booked a cruise for next year and the year after. And I turned around and here was this guy in his shorts and t-shirt. So, I mean, I must have looked at him and he said, I, Mrs. I'm always like, this is how I dress. Come hail or high water, I am in my shorts and t-shirt. And I said, do you not feel the cold? He said, not, not. And then he said, take off your glove and feel my arm. So I took my glove off, felt his arm and he was roasting. Anyway, then he said, uh, then I said to him, are you that guy that goes about in his bare feet? He says, I am that guy. So, then he said, you see, he said, I need to be in my bare feet because I need to be close to the earth. I need to feel the spirits of the earth because I'm a medium. Oh, I said, oh, I said, well, I said, you know something, I need to be close to the Holy Spirit because I'm a Christian. He said, look, it's the same spirit And it reminded me then of this, take heed that our light is not darkness. He was in utter darkness, and yet he thought that he was enlightened. And that's where we have to keep checking in with the Holy Spirit, that we're in the light. Okay? So, that's that story. (laughs) As Psalm 119 130 teaches us, the entrance of God's word brings light, or. This Hebrew word for the light of God can be found in words like Torah, T O R, or A H, Torah, Menorah, More, and morah. Now, at this moment in time, I'm a morah because I'm a female teacher of the word right now at this moment but pastor david every week is a more because he is our pastor who teaches the word so it's just to show that that god has inserted this into words that were used regularly in the old testament and so there's a menorah it's from alec but it's missing its center point <laughs> it was the only one we could find so <laughs> So this represents the seven spirits of God and the center one is Jesus Christ and from him everything flows, you know. So I'll just tell you what they are. They are wisdom and understanding, counsel and might and knowledge and fear of the Lord. And I just think that's a wonderful uh, Example of what we need because we need knowledge of the Lord so we can fear Him, and it's not fear in terms of being terrified, it actually means worship. So, fear of the Lord means being able to worship Him as He deserves, and that's why every week in our church we have singing, we sing our worship to God, but then Pauline prays these prayers. And that's what makes me understand that God has put a stamp of worship in this church, both the spoken and the, the, the music. We've, we've never lacked a worship team, even when things have been pretty skeletal, we've never lacked for worship. And I, again, I think that's so significant. But looking at this lampstand, and I'm lightly jumping about here, so don't don't worry, but um, remember, Paul uh, planted the churches in Asia, and uh, the seven churches. And then, when we go to Revelation, we find that you know Jesus has something to say about these churches. But each one of them had a lampstand, and each church has a lampstand in heaven. Just think of that in a kind of a spiritual sense. And so while the church is truly following the light of Christ, truly following the Holy Spirit, then that lampstand stands in heaven. But once once we vary from that or go off in another direction, then the lampstand's removed. And when the lampstand's removed in heaven, it pretty quickly gets removed on earth as well. So we have a lampstand and we must, we must honor and maintain that lampstand by following the light of the Holy Spirit. And in the temple, there was the outer court where the Gentiles, that's like us, <laughs> as, as it, you know, they were then, they could come and, and be in the outer court, but they could not go in to the next part, which was called the holy place. And that's where the lampstand was. And it was the only light. There was no other source of light in the holy place. And there should be no other source of light, spiritually speaking, in this church. Do you see what I'm saying? That that's why the, whole, the Old Testament's so graphic. It shows you in a physical, tangible sense what is a spiritual reality. And so, uh, this is why we must maintain that lampstand. We've got to have the, the wisdom, the understanding, the wisdom, the counsel of the Holy Spirit, and the might, the power, and the knowledge which comes from the Word and the fear of the Lord. That, can, that is the lampstand. With Christ in the center by his Holy Spirit. See, it's God, nobody could make God up. And they have made gods up in the past, you know, and then they do all sorts of stupid things to honor these gods. But our God, no one can touch him. No one, no one. So, now I've jumped about, I'm afraid anyway. Um, So, we've got those words. And God God has a habit of putting his his, um, name into words, you know, and and into people's names as well. And that's why I've got a a grandson called Micah, and it ends in A-H, and that's God's name in his name. I'm so proud of that. (laughs) I didn't choose it, but when I realized Micah, the prophet Micah, my grandson's called Micah, I thought, oh, I wonder if that's God has intended something there, you know? So, hope so. So, the first five books of the Bible called the Torah, and God himself gave those books to uh, Moses. Moses had been raised in Pharaoh's court, and so he was very literate. He wasn't great at speaking, but he was very literate, and so he was able to come down from the mountain with you know, having been given these books, the first five books, um, that told you all about God and his intentions. It's full of light. It's full of revelation of God's life and covenant. And that is from these first five books that we learn about God's covenant with the, with us, with the earth. You know, if you looked at the solar system, you'd see the earth is not really that Prominent, but like God often does, He focuses on the weak things, you know, to bring out His strength. And so He has poured His life and commitment and covenant onto the earth. Um, (coughs) So, His people, with the people, it prepares His people for the coming of His Son, the Word, who would take the flesh take on flesh and come as the true light that shines in the darkness. Jesus is the or who came in flesh and then he left us so that the Holy Spirit could come as the or that would guide his church. And the Holy Spirit is the one that's with us. He's the presence because he's the Spirit of God, Is the Spirit of Jesus Christ. So, you know, I used to think in school, parents used to leave their kids, and I know that the parents were probably as upset as the kids at times were, but God has never left us. He didn't leave us in school and go away. His Holy Spirit is the one who watches every. You no, know, in fact, He is our guide. He is the Spirit within us, the light within us. So, God doesn't take any chances once we come to Him. Without the Holy Spirit, the Bible is just words on a page. But when we read the Bible in the light of the Holy Spirit, He activates the word in our lives, and we begin to change. Now, I know that I've changed a lot over these last 26 years, but I couldn't have changed myself it's the, been the Word. It's like some kind of a pill that goes in and you don't know that it's doing something inside you. And I think at this point, I'm going to ask, how many have experienced that, a change that you could never have made yourself? The Word is working inside us. <laughs> so, Psalm 119, 105 declares... But the word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. This very scripture was brought home to me when I had to visit my daughter Claire. Jim and I, um, she she was living in a farm. Claire likes to live in strange places, but she was in this farm anyway, farmhouse, because she loves animals. and So we had to go at night time, and I remember us getting out of the car, and Claire opening the door quite a distance away. So Jim shone the torch to light the path towards Claire's door, but then it was a cobbled yard, and so we had to have a light for every step that we were taking, because could have broken our ankles if we hadn't. So that made me think of this scripture. We need that lamp for our feet to guide our feet along the path. You know, there's a path laid out for us. God has laid a path out for us, but we need the lamp of the Holy Spirit to guide our every step along that path because we could so easily veer off in one direction or another. So pray for the lamp to your feet along the path that's lit by the Lord for you to follow. You know how you hear about these trailblazers? Well, Jesus was a trailblazer for us, and we follow him. Uh, Until we encounter... As Pastor David said today, we... We need the light of the Word to walk by faith and not by sight, and that's the lamp that we need. That's the light that we need. And Second Corinthians 5, 7 tells us this. Until we encounter Jesus, the true light, we tend to look for the light in all sorts of places and people as well. And we're quite capable of following a person that we think is full of light rather than the word which we know is full of light. People can seem to to be one thing while actually know it. The other day, I wandered into a shop in West Kilbry. <laughs> and there was two women in this shop. And it, it was a shop that that sold crystals, you know, uh, and there was a crystal skull sitting on the the countertop and I've noticed you know that people in that kind of new age way they've always got lovely smiles on their face and they're always very welcoming and they're quite often wear unusual clothes you know that probably they made themselves or something I don't know but anyway I was in there and I just felt the chill as soon as I went in but there you know they were smiling away and uh, I said, oh, I, said, I see you've got crystals here. Yes, you know there's power in these crystals. Everybody, this is, these are the words that one woman said. You know, there was a girl came in here and she picked up a red crystal and it spoke to her. It spoke to her heart and she said, I have to have that. But I couldn't afford it. So later on, her mother came in and bought it for her. And the, the, the woman behind the counter said, you know, we all know there's something missing. I said, oh, I do know there's something missing. <laughs> she said, eh, and that's why, she said, you hold a crystal, you'll never be the same again. It fills a gap. And I thought, I was just about to open my mouth and say, and a, a customer came in, and she looked over to the customer, and so the chance was gone, but I'll be back in that shop. <laughs> Maybe you know them, <laughs> anyway, so that's the crystal story, <laughs> but imagine believing in the power of crystals rather than the power of the Lord, the power oh, it just beggars belief, so this story, along with my encounter with the uh the barefooted medium um does it speaks to me of 2 Corinthians 4 3 that if our gospel is hidden, it is hidden to those who are lost, their eyes having been blinded by the God of this world? Now, who's the God of this world? Satan, he's the prince of darkness, and it's not this scripture says he's the one that blinds their eyes, and a blind person cannot see. And it's the same spiritually, they cannot see until they're given the gospel, the light of the gospel, and then they see. So, it's, <laughs> this world is all he has, and his time is growing shorter every day. So, he is going about like a roaring lion, searching for whom he may devour. That's 1 Peter five eight. Don't think that the devil is a cool guy. He's under a sentence of annihilation, really. You know, and he knows it. He doesn't know when. So he just wants to take as many with him as he can. And so therefore, he doesn't appear like a roaring lion. He appears like an angel of light. He appears like a cool dude, a good guy. Somebody that says, you're not into all of that stuff, are you? Better to hold a crystal in your hand, you can feel that, than believe in something you can't feel. Anyway, um, where am I? am nearly finished. <laughs> this world is all he has. So. We so need the awe of God to keep us on the true path, and I so love what... Uh, James 1:17 to 18 says about the aura of God when he tells us that every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Even the sun casts a shadow, but the light of God has no shadow of turning. And again, in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, we're told that God who said, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. When we know Jesus, we see the light of the glory of God. When we read uh, Genesis 1:24 to 26, we come to know that even in the perfect garden of Eden, where man and woman had so much access to God's glory, they were able to choose between light and darkness. And alas, they chose the way of pride, the knowledge of good and evil. And as a result, there was no further access to the garden and the tree of life. It's funny that in that garden, two trees are mentioned, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But do you know, in that garden, there must have been tons of trees. But these two are mentioned. And again, in the Bible, sometimes trees are a picture of uh, beings, heavenly beings. And we know who's the tree of life? Jesus. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were in that garden. Jesus, the pre-incarnate Christ, he was in that garden. He was the tree of life. And we know that Satan also came and wrapped himself as a snake round the tree. That's, this is all figurative language, but it contains a deep, deep truth. And so the battle, the contention is always between good and evil, Jesus and Satan. Jesus is the tree of life. We've got to feed in him. Otherwise, we die spiritually. So, <clears throat> and look what Satan offered. You'll be like God. You'll have knowledge. But we were not wired to have that knowledge of evil. We were wired for love. We're not wired to contend with evil. That's why we've got to let God do it in us. And so, uh, therefore, those eternal beings, Adam and Eve, in uh, that picture, become mortal. And death did come to them. Physical death came to them. But God already had... And some people say, well, because of that, then God had to change his plan. God had to go to plan B, and Jesus had to come. No, Jesus was always going to come because God had committed himself to the world. And so, having said, let there be light, he came in flesh to teach us about the light. There was never a time that Jesus was not going to come. The lamb was already slain. It was already there before the first words were spoken. So God, the plan of God is... Mind-blowing. <clears throat> so when... Uh, yeah, and, and so... Good and evil. And as a result, there was no further access. As their natural children, as their natural children, we inherit their plight. And, you know, you can say, I, did, I didn't do anything. That was only a wee baby being born, but you were born into that darkness, but you were going to be rescued. So, God, ever true to His Word, had our rescue already planned in the person of Jesus Christ, His Son, and our Savior. His Word, spoken prophetically over the world before any other word was spoken, had gone out and would not return to Him void, but would accomplish what He pleased and would prosper in the thing for which He sent it. Now, remember when we send out God's Word, and we don't just pick a word and speak it out and decide, oh, we'll see what good, you know, what that does. No, God has to plant it in us, has to urge us to speak, you know, because it's out of the heart that the mouth speaks. God places His Word in our heart, and I think that's where often the word of faith is misunderstood, as though we just go about talking here, talking there, talking… No, it's what God wants us to speak. It's the word he puts in our heart for us to speak out. And that word will accomplish what it's sent to do because God said it. So, it wouldn't return to him void, but would accomplish what he pleased and would prosper in the thing for which he sent it. Isaiah 55, 1 Light would inevitably triumph over darkness and guide us home. Jesus is the embodiment of that Word, and every page of Scripture is about Him. God wants us to be filled with His ore and live in a world where darkness has no power over us, and that's how Jesus lived. And we saw the numerous times when darkness did try and come against Him. That's why in Exodus 25, 31, we see God instructing Moses to make a menorah for the tabernacle in the wilderness. This is a design that God gave. This was a beautiful representation of the awe of God in the six branches of the lampstand going out from the central candlestick. It depicts the seven spirits of God, and I've told you all about that. Um, So, it is the only source of light in the inner court of the tabernacle. And again, it should be the only source of light in here. In Revelation 2.5, we read of seven churches in Asia, and I've told you about that as well. See, I, I was jumping about, that's why that. Um, today, we are seeing churches folding, I've said that as well. Revelation, this is the last page, Revelation 1, four shows us John, greeting these churches with the words, grace and peace from the one who is, who was, and who is to come, Jesus Christ. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. As we read in John 1, 1 to 5, Jesus, in the person of, of the Son, was there with God in the beginning because he was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing that was made was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, that ore. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it, understand it, take hold of it, or overcome it. The menorah reminds us that we as a church must be taught by the Lord Jesus through his Spirit, giving us wisdom and understanding, counsel and might, knowledge and fear of the Lord. And I said, said, uh, Pauline has been used in that powerful way uh, at the end of worship and as part of worship. That's true fear of the Lord when you speak out these words, these worshipful words. So that light or ore is a continuous revelation throughout scripture from Genesis to Revelation. There we see by the ore of God, the light of God through his Holy Spirit, that Jesus is the eternal light, the ore and God's way of bringing his light to a world in tohu vabohu, confusion and chaos. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, For future content, please subscribe. And if anything spoke to you or was relevant to you, please leave a comment. If you want to find out more about the church, how to support the ministry or connect with us, then go to bridge-church.com. So until next time, thank you for joining us and goodbye.